0: Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com.
1: Survive, thrive, stay alive.
2: It's time to get prepared with the Prepping
3: Academy podcast.
2: All right, we are recording live. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Hey, and I'm I'm alive.
4: Tenderfoot is alive. I am Forrest. This is Tenderfoot. Um, we took a vacation. We're back. You took a I vacation. I took a vacation. <laughs> I went to Hilton Head Island with the family, and we did not record a show last week. No,
2: we did not. Okay. But I feel so. I'm worn out. I know. I was. I was <laughs> out here in your driveway, thinking you were here. Yeah, I am worn yeah. out. I mean, going. To, to the beach with the family
4: you have to like take a few days off before you go back to work
2: you gotta get a vacation of your vacation
4: hey guys you're listening to the prepping academy again forrest tenderfoot tenderfoot and we are coming to you this day i don't even know the day august 6th (laughs) it is yeah it is and we're coming you got a great guest tonight got a um coming on and we um so how you been i'm I'm doing great, I'm Well,
3: doing you great.
2: look more? no, you don't look good at all
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, there's I don't know it seems like there's all kinds of things always happening, so but yeah, Gosh, I mean, we got how about we, you? we're doing so many things, it's crazy, isn't it? yeah, I mean
4: if someone was to see our to do list, they would go, I should not even live anymore <laughs> <laughs> i mean it is crazy, so. Today I was in Winston-Salem all day, um, drove back, had a conference call with my CPN leaders at 7.30. Immediately after I finished that, starting setting this up, and then you walked in. That's right. And so I, uh, it's been a crazy day. I didn't, that's, even that's, didn't even bring the
2: six-pack. Sorry. <laughs> it's just been six-pack of what? Coke. Okay. Cause, you know, I was actually going to stop and get some Coke on the way. And I okay, because you know I don't
4: drink. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Um, but it's been crazy and, but that's okay. That's, that's what life's about. We've got a mission. We got things to take care of and we're doing it. Sure. And then we got a meeting either, even after this. Yes, we do. We have a meeting. I mean, so anyway, so we're looking for, Ooh, if we could have computers like AI people replace us,
2: mm-hmm. we wouldn't even have to do this. That's going to be the end of us right there. Oh,
4: I do robots. I mean, I sell robots to be sure I can come up with a robot that can replace me. (laughs) Maybe not, because I'm. It's probably my good looks. Uh, (laughs) (sighs) So anyway, we're winding down the summer. Kids are going to school soon. Yes, I'm taking my kid back to Chapel Hill, God's favorite university. (laughs) I think it's next week. No comment. I know. <laughs> I have a speaking engagement next Friday night, downtown Charlotte, with all the yuppie elites. I, I, I know they're not listening to this, but the Discovery Place. I'm teaching three classes to adults, not kids, adults, like they're premium members. So these are the arts and science people, and I'm like, oh, I'm okay. I, I'll make it through it. But three, the same class three times. But it's going to be pretty cool. Cool. i got an interactive app, so I'm going to ask them a question. It's not even an app. It's a URL. And they're going to vote on the correct answer, and it's going to show up
2: live on my screen as I'm speaking to them. And just make sure you don't cross your classes. Oh, yeah. teach them your preparedness stuff. Well, I'm going to
4: talk about that a little bit, and I'm not going to say things like, you're going to die. Yeah, I see I was hoping you would. You're going to die. If you're not in a group, you're going to die. If you have no skills, you're going to die. You're going to die, you're die. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. So, But that's why I – okay. If you're a
2: vegetarian, you're going to die.
4: No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, were, they might throw their – because there will be alcohol served,
2: which is going to be interesting. I've never
4: spoke in front of people drunk. <laughs> so <laughs> I might need security. <laughs> so um, a while back, I picked up a, – a friend of mine recommended this book called Survival Theory. And it's a preparedness guide. And I started reading this book. It's by Jonathan Hollerman. I started reading this book, and I'd be dang – I mean, dang, if if I can't even come up with a word because everything I've been saying and teaching and preaching on, this dude was writing it down in a book. And I'm like, this guy went in my head. yeah. And he got this stuff out, and he put a book out good because – That's a good one. He's He is – I would say he's probably a little bit
2: nicer than I am about some of them, but he's pretty tough on it. The way you told me, you were introducing me to him. Okay. I mean, he sounded tougher than you. Well, I
4: think I think I don't know. We're on the same page. <laughs> I'll tell you that. And so one of the things that I like this book so much, I sent an email, or I'm sending. I got an email prepared. It hadn't been sent to all our members in CPN, Carolina Preppers Network, that they need to buy this book. Yeah. And I did put it on the Facebook site, the social media stuff. Yeah. They need to buy this book and read it. Yeah, I got the e-book here. Because you got it on the ebook. Yeah, the Kindle, but I can't get it up. Right. And, um, and you got it because, this, I mean, this is the, I don't know. He's on the line tonight, which I am so thankful, and I'm excited to have him. We talked, gosh, it might have been two weeks ago, and we just talked forever. You could just tell. We're both talkers. We both get excited about this. And so we're, without further ado, now you haven't read his book yet, have you? No, I've not. Because so, I'm going to embarrass you again about you, having not. a guest on and you not reading their book. So <laughs> And you can come up with your little made-up questions that I put up over there. Nice.
2: <laughs> nice.
4: So, have, actually, before we bring them on, in just one second here, any author that we've brought on, have you read any of their books before they were on the before, show? Before, no. Not one of them. Not before. Okay. But –
2: but because America. of the show,
4: they got Not, a new fan, and so new fan. I've got
2: okay. a. i have got I show you all these books I got. Now. Yeah,
4: okay. We're gonna bring him on right now. Uh, this is Jonathan. He uh, let me tell you a little bit of bio about him. It, he is he's former military. I think he's an Air Force guy. I hope he is because I'm an ex Air Force guy as well. But he was a seer instructor. He has a school. I mean, he taught people in survival, escape, and evade, and resistance. He has a consulting service now called Grid Down Consulting. He's written many books. I mean, this is just the one that I picked up. I haven't read the other ones yet. I have them. i purchased them, but I, I haven't read them yet because I went on my vacation and I read other books. Um, don't tell him that, even though he's online now. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I hear you laughing. But he is. Um, he helps design retreats. His um, It's called Grid Down Consulting. <laughs> And he is live on the air with us right now. Are you there, Jonathan?
3: I'm oh, here. Yeah.
4: Hey, Jonathan. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, thanks for coming on. I, you know, sorry we have to always start the show. And I knew, I knew you were on there. And but um, I read this book, and it was so it just it just touched my heart because you were saying, finally I met someone saying some of the same things I was saying, and you got them in a book. So I told you that I don't even have to write a book now.
3: Well, I was very encouraged to speak with you the other day, Forrest. Uh, Just, again, echoing some of the same thoughts I had, we really seem to be on the same page. And uh, I will have to admit, I am probably a little bit of a pariah in the uh, preparedness community, I believe. And my company motto is prepare for the worst, hope for the best, let God do the rest. And, uh, you know, I I believe that there's a serious situation coming in this country in the near future. I think it's going to be a lot worse than a lot of people think. I think uh, a lot of people don't understand the human desperation behind that and how the psychology behind uh, people that could be hungry and starving and how that's all going to play out. I I think uh, a lot of people assume that we're America. Americans are somehow different than other humans that walk this planet with us. And, you know, something bad happens here. We're all going to hold hands and sing somebody up. So, anyways, I'm uh, – it was just great speaking with you the other day and thoughts ideas back and forth with you, and I, I, I was really encouraged and happy to be on the podcast. And I thank you for the uh, glowing and wonderful introduction you gave me.
4: So let me ask you. I got the first question because I, you know, I'm kind of in-your-face kind of guy with with my 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 peeps, my my preppers. Ooh, peeps, preppers. Ooh, no, it didn't work. Okay, sorry, <laughs> your preps. Um, I'm kind of in the face about and. So my first question to you and I, you know, and we talked about this matter of fact, he, you know, we're like, okay, what do we talk about? And we kind of have some general, but my questions are, are blind, but he, I know he can handle because we've already talked about him. But so let's say a grid down because you're a big, you, you think almost everything turns into a grid down. Am I correct? Hey, let's take a quick break.
1: Has your data been hacked? Do you feel uneasy about the vulnerability of your personal information online? Were you involved in the target, LinkedIn, or Microsoft data leaks? Don't know? If not, then pay attention. Join Forrest Garvin from PrepperNet for a free webinar on privacy and security. Gain insights into safe internet browsing, VPNs, crafting online aliases, secure emails, detecting if your data has been hacked, and managing passwords. Secure your spot today for this webinar on privacy and security. It's free. This webinar delves into comprehensive strategies for bolstering your online privacy. We've got you covered from fortifying your passwords to shielding your financial information and mastering state-of-the-art encryption techniques. We're offering two convenient dates to suit your schedule. Reserve your spot now at preppernet.com privacy. Don't let cyber threats erode your peace of mind any longer. Take the first step toward a safer, more secure online experience by joining us for our free webinar. Remember, knowledge is power when it comes to safeguarding your privacy. Sign up now at preppernet.com slash privacy. We'll see you there.
3: Possibly. I think a pandemic would likely eventually lead to a grid down scenario as people stop showing up for work and Infrastructure starts shutting down due to lack of employees and lack of truckers crossing the country. Financial collapse—that's really up in the air. Who knows how bad it could get? Uh, is the U.S. still the world reserve currency? Are they going to pay? I don't think they could paper over it like they did last time with quantitative easing. But uh, it, it all depends. But uh, on that note, it's probably important for your your listeners to kind of understand a lot of the stuff we'll be talking about today. Uh, it's really important to understand that I come at it from a long-term collapse scenario because the prepping industry is really big. So, I mean, there are prepping websites that are called prepping websites in their name, and they're teaching people how to put cases of bottled water and some MREs in their basement to survive the the hurricane that's coming for Florida, Right. I don't think that's prepping. I think if you live in Florida and you don't have water and food in your basement, you're, you're not very bright. Right. I don't think you're a prepper for, for doing that. So my kind of philosophy is, you know, prepare for the worst case scenarios that could happen in your lifetime. And if you're prepared for that, then any of these other situations that can arise, whether it be a financial collapse pandemic and all these things are very real possibilities in our near future. Uh, if you prepare for the worst case scenario, which I believe is the grid down scenario, then you're, you're kind of set up for the rest of them.
4: Right. So, um, <clears throat> before I let Tenderfoot in here, because I usually ask a lot of <laughs> really profound questions that people enjoy, and then I let him. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm kidding. So, um, so, tell us, describe grid down, it goes down today. What, what kind of, how will U.S. look and Five days, ten days, twenty days, a month in your in I'll say hour, but in your in your uh, in your thinking through this and studying because in uh, studying this.
3: Yeah. Okay. So uh, I just want to clarify. This is a one-hour show, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to get out a few rabbit out here. Say, feel free to rein me in whenever you want. Um, I, I think that's probably one of the biggest. Misunderstandings, it's how I kind of Got into the authorship side of uh, When I wrote EMP Clipping Modern Patriots A Story of Survival, the first book I wrote I've been reading a lot of preparedness fiction In regards A lot of it had to do with a, the EMP threat Or a solar flare threat And I, I think a lot of the authors they're all, They were all Americans And we live in the richest country In the world We live in... The amount of comfort we live in is astronomical than any other country in in the world, right? And nobody here has ever experienced true starvation, true desperation. Um, It's just not something that you can study easily through psychology when for the last hundred years we've been living relatively in peace, I mean, other than the World War. But nobody around here has ever been really starving. So... It's, it's tough because my experience as a SEER instructor, I mean, that's part of our job is to take uh, students' food away, take their sleep away, put them in stressful situations. And there wasn't a single class I carried as a SEER instructor where I didn't have a full-grown man at some point break down, balling on the ground. I mean, these are highly trained pilots, navigators, flight crewmen, and
1: th-
3: that never even resonated with me until years later when I started reading preparedness fiction. And then I, there was a disconnect there because everybody in these books – I should say these books, but in some of the books were – they just kind of tick along as everything's normal, right? And right. And that only works if they've got a full belly. The second you put people in hunger and starvation issues or in a situation like that, the psychology – they're just going to lose it. They're not going to be able to rationalize They're not going to be able to make educated decisions. It, it will end up being survival of the fittest at some point in time. Uh, my first trip during a, as a theory instructor to become, a, to become an instructor was 28 days in the mountains of Washington State. There's was six feet of snow on the ground. For my group of eight guys, I gave us a box full of vegetables and a goat, right? By two right. weeks in, by three weeks in, literally every second of every day, the only thing you could think of was food. I mean, that's the only thing you could think of. What can I eat around me? And there wasn't anything because there was six feet of snow on the ground. And it just encompasses every aspect of your, your mentality. So I think a lot of people say, well, I would never hurt anybody. I would never, you know, I would never be a looter. I would never steal anything, right? And I think that's because they've never been in this type of situation. So I use the analogy of, you know, three weeks in, four weeks in, Two months in, let's say you have the average blue-collar worker uh, in middle America in a suburb town, and he's got a four-year-old daughter that's laying on the couch, but he hasn't, not just that she's starving, but he hasn't been able to get her food, his daughter food, for two or three weeks straight. She's on her deathbed. That man will do, or woman, mother or father, will do anything to get that kid some food. They may beg or plead from their neighbor at first, but eventually they're going to come and take it by force, right? So uh, a long-term grid-down scenario, whether it's by an EMT, solar flare, cyber attack on the grid, which is a growing threat, uh, or a physical attack that brings down the grid, there's so many different scenarios and ways that we can lose the electric grid for a long period of time. It's, it's a very big vulnerability, and every aspect of human life revolves around electricity or heat, AC, your information sources, food—the uh, big ones—food distribution, interstate trucking shuts down, the food distribution centers shut down, um, and that's the big thing. Because when people start to starve, it's gonna—it's gonna become a madhouse. It's gonna be Mad Max before a, a lot sooner than people think it will be.
4: And so, America, um, Americans have never seen this before. I mean, other countries never. have seen this. Um, Argentina's mm-hmm. seeing that right now, um, right. but. So, I mean, Americans in general think other people, like you said, are good people, yeah. but they they've never seen someone that they can't feed their kids because even you know I I do a homeless ministry thing in Charlotte, and you you talk to all the the people that you know work in the homeless ministry down there and feeding the you know the homeless. In Charlotte, there's not a single meal that goes by that a homeless person can't eat downtown. There there's a meal provided every single meal downtown yeah. and um so all you gotta do is get down there. But Americans have never seen people that actually have eaten have to eat their tennis shoes because they're so hungry, the leather on their tennis shoes. They've just never seen that. And they think that little aunt, you know, their neighbor, Jen, whatever her your neighbor is could never harm you. But if she can't feed her kid, she will absolutely harm you.
3: Well, here's here's a big a big asterisk for that, too, because you mentioned Argentina, right? And I, I've heard a lot of people quote Argentina. I've heard a lot of people quote Argentina and, and, and instances like that. I've heard people quote third-world countries overseas when talking about human desperation starvation, and none of them are accurate. First off, it, overseas, the Congo, Mogadishu, places like that, um, they went through famines Warlords were taking the food So on and so forth But those people generally grew up hungry They generally grew up starving they, they, Their entire life Had dealt with starvation and hunger Right So putting them in that situation While it was a worse than normal situation the, Their brains were already Wrapped around going days Without food in most cases And if you look at Argentina Argentina still has an electric room They still have TV, radio the government's still out there with the propaganda, keeping people calm as long as they can, right? Uh, and if somebody goes and steals something, they're going to take them behind a building and shoot them or at least put them in jail, right? So it's, it's not the same scenario because uh, if you take away people's food, they're going to get desperate and, you know, they, they're going to be angry and mad. But if you take away law enforcement and, and oversight and the rule of law – at the same time you take away people's ability to feed themselves, it's going to be mayhem because that's the thing that holds us back as society. And, and you mentioned, you know, a lot of Americans think that we're generally good as a species. And that's just factually untrue from a psychology standpoint. So this idea that we somehow as humans evolved in the 21st century past, you know the caveman days is just actually not true. The reason it looks that way and appears that way is because if you go out and steal something today, or if you go out and hurt somebody today, you go to jail, or, or or they, or you get the death penalty. There are serious consequences, and that maintains a level of civility in, in, in our nation. Okay, but if you take that away, um, and you put people in hungry, desperate situations, that you take away the the threat of consequences for their actions, it will be every man for themselves. And I I think that's one thing that's kind of overlooked and bypassed when dealing with this specific subject as far as a long term grid down scenario. Because again, it's completely different. Um, somebody could read my book survival theory and be like, that's, you know, that's very extreme because their mind, this entire prepping journey of theirs, has been wrapped around a financial collapse or a pandemic or something of this nature in those situations you have data points you have you have the ability to kind of rationalize how humans are going to interact in those situations because because you can look at other history or, or different time periods the great depression or you know a pandemic situation localized uh, but a grid down scenario is something that we have never we have never experienced if with with no food infrastructure, no information sources, no radio, no TV, no heat, no AC, I mean, you go down the list, uh, it's it's going to be really bad. And I think a lot of people really think that the government's going to step in somehow. You know in all the Hollywood movies you see the troop carriers roll down and they're passing out MREs out of the back of the truck. That's never going to happen. I can guarantee you that's never going to happen. I've got a DOD report on my website. I've got multiple reports where they're warning Congress that right now, 99% of the U.S. military's infrastructure is relying on civilian electric grid. So obviously the nuclear triad, Cheyenne Mountain, the bunkers, things of that nature, they're EMP protected. But 99% of the, the military is relying on the civilian electric grid. And this report tells Congress if we lose a civilian electric grid, the U.S. military will run out of backup power within two days and we will not be able to respond to societal collapse scenarios. So,
4: so um, they'll be if, in the same if, if place people, we are.
3: Except they'll, they'll be, be much in, better armed.
4: Yeah, they'll be in the same position yeah. we are. They'll need food, they'll need communications, and they yeah. won't have it.
2: Well, that kind of That's brought exactly me right. to to what I was thinking with this, and I was thinking just the other day, uh, you know, Forrest talks a lot about, you know, bug out locations. Eventually you you're bugging in. You know, I, I don't, unless you have multiple bug out locations and not every prepper is going to, the perfect scenario is not going to work out for them. I right, get to my bug out location. That's where all my food is. I, you know, my, my, my take is you've got to have where you are right now, ready to go. And if you are fortunate to have a bug out location, it's got to be ready to go, but mm-hmm. you've got to be prepared. You get to that, that, that area to that thing you're talking about a grid down situation here. Um, worst case scenario, even your bug out location is done, it's compromised. And 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 you're you're we're all going to be, I think, in a situation like this, all on leveling on, on a level uh, playing field. And what you just said about the arms that is going to be the biggest that's going to be the biggest difference right there. Do what your well, defense,
4: yep. I, yeah. see, I, I Go ahead, Jonathan. Go ahead. No, you go.
3: Yeah, uh, uh, hmm. I. would have to respectfully disagree with you on on one instance. So yes. think, <laughs> yeah, All right. So uh, I think that is a a, a pretty common narrative in uh, this industry as far as and I'm trying to figure out how to quantify this. Okay. So. Uh, through Grid Out Consulting, I work primarily with wealthy individuals, okay? Uh, wealthy families, business people, uh, lawyers, doctors, so on and so forth, and I help them design and build off-grid survival retreats. And one of the main things, one of the number one aspects of doing that is getting away and minimizing your interaction with people. The more people that you interact with in this scenario – Where everyone is hungry, starving, you have no idea what to expect or how they're going to act, how they're going to react. The less people you can interact with, the better. So most of my locations are very – there's 100 data points I look at when researching property for the clients. It's got to be extremely tucked away, end of a dead-end road, not visible for – I mean, we can get on a list of of the stuff I look for. And, you know, their gate at the front of the property, I have misdirection signage, so – you would, it doesn't look like a driveway. It looks like an access road with cell phone tower or gas on. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff that I do. If you can do that, okay, then you have a pretty good chance of riding this thing through. And then the second thing I do when I build these retreats is I don't build Fort Knox. Now, there are some really, really great security aspects that I build into my properties and my off-grid retreat designs. I, I I do a lot of the architectural plans. I I work with an off-grid architect out in Idaho. And uh, but the thing is, that it doesn't look like a fortress. We're not building steel shutters on the outside of the house. We're not doing anything that screens prep a retreat. And in my philosophy, the 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 best thing you could do is have a tunnel network to get out the back door and let them come in, take five percent of your stuff. All my clients, I recommend they have ninety to ninety-five percent of their food outside the four walls of their house, not in their basement, in an underground storage cache, somewhere away from their house. That way, if a large looting group does come, they can leave out a tunnel system, let the looters come in, steal 5% of the stuff, move on down the road, they can move back in, they can all their food and their their primary supplies. So that's what I do with wealthy individuals, okay? And the, the problem arises is the average Joe. Okay, I'm an average Joe, too. Uh, I've been a blue collar guy my entire life, worked construction, so on and so forth. So I'm not independently wealthy by any stretch of imagination. So uh, working with people, I started getting a lot of clients and people contacting me, wanting me to help them, but they didn't have a half million dollars or two million dollars to build an off-grid survival retreat on a thousand acres somewhere, right? So that's the reason I wrote Survival Theory. It's called A Preparedness Guide to How to Survive the End of the World on a Budget. But here's the thing. Regardless of your financial situation, I wholeheartedly stand by the fact that if you live in or near a city, you have to leave. You cannot yes. prepare in place in a in a city, in a suburban area. You can't do it. Because here's the thing, you I, I hear this all the time. Well, I'm gonna I'm going to work together with my colostat, right? And we're going we're going to. Form a a mutual assistance group And we're going to walk patrols We're going to all work together to grow food And so on and so forth But here's the thing Um, Let's say you have six months of food in your basement Guess what There's 20 people on your block Probably more Guess whose food they're eating And guess how long that food's going to last It's going to last two weeks Oh Oh, well I'm not going to share it Because I bought this food You really think so yeah, that might go by for like a week or two, but when they're starving and you're the only one not getting skinny, they're going to notice, and they're going to come and take that food, regardless of your little group that you've got going or not, okay? So that's going to be a big downfall of one of the retreats that I go and I visit and I do analysis for, if they don't have enough food, and they, they, they're they probably going to end up bringing more people, more extended family than they, than they plan to. You know, that's a common thing I hear. Oh, it's just me and my wife and our two kids, I'm like... Yeah, you're really going to drive by your mom and dad's house and knowing they're going to die and just leave them there. Um, yeah. You know, your brother, and sister, and there's there's all these things. So I, that's one of the big conversations I have with my clients when I first go out there. Is okay. We need to we need to figure out how many mouths to feed are going to be at this retreat before we start buying food because if, if you don't have enough food to feed people for at least a year, um, you're 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 probably not going to make it. So I, I guess the thing is is, so here's the thing, I. I absolutely, wholeheartedly. There's a lot of uh, other quick experts in this industry that will soft pedal things. They'll teach you how to guard, hide your food garden and your blend it in with your backyard in suburbia, and, and how to make your house look like it's downtrodden or or this or that. You're not fooling anybody. Your neighbors are going to figure this stuff out. You think you can run a hoe in your backyard and nobody's going to know because you got a six foot privacy fence or because you planted. Thorns around your backyard. Um, the, I, I don't think you know. I, I'm not disparaging them doing that because I know it comes from a good place. They want to help people, but I don't think you're helping people by telling, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's no big deal." You got 10,000 starving people surrounding the location where you lay your head at night. You're going to be just fine. I, I don't think you know. I, I don't soft pedal stuff. I, I you know. I, I think you're doing more harm than good. So then, and I know I'm rambling here, but. Uh, I, I, on the no job, the next big question is, is why I can't afford a survival tree, right? What do I do? Because I, you know, the, the idea of going up and living on the national forest and living off the land is clown shoes. You know, I hear that all the time. Well, I'm going to go live in the national forest. Guess what? I've done that, and I guess what? You can't do that, okay? And even if you could convince me that, you know. You were raised by a pack of wolves in Alaska because so you're left on the side of the road, <laughs> and you have the life skills to survive, even if you could convince me of that, okay? Mm-hmm. Which you can't convince me of, it? the other 99% of the Yahoos that plan to take their healthy their backpack out in the woods and survive with their Pappy's shotguns, guess what? At some point in time, you, you're going to have to build a fire, you're going to have to cook meat, you're going to have to shoot an animal, you're going to have to sleep. At some point, someone's going to stumble across your camp, and they're going to shoot you. In, and go through your pack. Okay? So the idea of loan wolfing so I don't advocate that, but I do recommend you have to get out of town. And and if you want, you know, I'll take a step back here, but I do have recommendations on how you can do that on a budget, even on a really tight budget. But the key is get away from the mass population centers. If you're surrounded by hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people, it's just a matter of time until your door gets kicked out. I don't I, I don't care if your entire family is field team six and you have a fucker in downtown Atlanta. You're, you know, you're going to get
1: overrun.
4: Something. Hey, okay, Jonathan, I let you go so long because it sounded like me for the last four years, and I'm like, yes, someone else <laughs> is saying this. It's awesome. So, so one of the things that I've I've been and you said this, the first six months, you want no contact with nobody, zero. You don't yeah. want any. You don't want smoke. You don't want sound. You don't want to even go hunting. I mean, all these people go. I'm going to go shoot animals in the woods. Well, as soon as you shoot a gun in the woods, you're going to have to. You know, you're going to have to share that with 15 other hunters that come up because they're going to hear your gunshot. Right. And I then
3: hope you have if you're rifles in your state, but, but I don't yeah,
4: <laughs> and you've got to. And you know, we have people in 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 the CPN that goes. Well, we're going to bug in, and I'm like. Okay, I I did find a tool. It's not 100% accurate, but you can literally put your address in, and it tells you within one mile, two miles, five miles how many people within your house in a radius. It tells you how many people. And it's not 100% accurate, but, I mean, some of these people are like, well, I've only got like 4,200 people within two miles. I'm (laughs) like, yes, and they're all going to come get your food, and you're going to end up dying. But that's not a lot of people. I'm like, oh. So I've been preaching. You've got to get out. You okay. got to have a group. You got to have skills, and you got to have more mm-hmm. food than you think you need. And you've got to absolutely disappear for six months at least. Yeah. And so in,
3: uh, I've got a new client in, in Portland, and he's a wealthy individual. Okay, and uh, he's getting ready to build a survival retreat. But do, do for whatever reason uh, it's going to take us a while to find a property and take a while. To, it might be a year or more until he has his survival retreat built. So, in the meantime, we need a plan B for him until his survival retreat and his group is formed and everything's ticking as usual. So, what I did with this client is I, I went online and I went through probably fifty bed and breakfast dude ranches. Uh, guest farms in, in, in the area, and I, I started by looking at the location, how far off the beaten path is this place, how, you know, so on and so forth. And, we, and then I went from there, and then I looked at the, the bed and breakfast owner's bio, and I looked from a satellite view and looked to see if they had a large garden, and uh, do they have animals there at the location, Uh, What does their their bio say about them? What do they look like? Who are they? And then what we did is we took this this client of mine that has a whole bunch of, you know, years' worth of food and guns and all kinds of stuff in his basement in downtown Portland, right? And (laughs) what we do is we got got a climate-controlled storage unit within a mile of this location. He hasn't done it yet. And he's going to cache all his stuff there. And then what I'm having to do is I, he's starting to spend time at that end breakfast. Uh, you know, once every two months, he's going to start staying there, get to know these people, not mention the word prepping, just get to know them, get, you know, be friendly with them. And then when the collapse happens, he can knock on their door and say, Hey, I've got food for me, for you. I've got guns for me, for you. I've got survival seat, or I've got, you know, plenty of gardening seed. Uh, so, you know, if you can make that pitch and explain to the person what's going on, the person that you already know, and um, I, I think that's a lot better scenario, okay? And then we have a fallback bed that you're going to stay out and so on and so forth. So, anyways, you can put the digits in there. Is that the best case scenario? No. That's a terrible scenario, okay? But it's a heck of a lot better than trying to ride it out in downtown Portland, okay? right. You have a major, so- better chance of surviving than doing that.
4: And Jonathan, I don't even remember reading that in the book, but that's exactly one. Of the, you remember the Shemitah when this everybody was freaking out because of the Shemitah year and the blood moons and all this stuff is that a, two years ago? Oh right yeah, now?
3: the my, the yeah. Mayan calendar or whatever. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. And I and I was telling people to do that same thing. I said, you know what? It's amazing. You can go on the the drbo whatever it is. You can go into that site and to other vacation home sites and you can find out if someone's in that house tonight. And yep. so you mon- you monitor that and that is an alternative bug out. Look, I've been saying that dude, we this is just I mean, I get excited. I mean, cuz literally I've been preaching this I've been preaching this gospel okay. and people looking at me and they're like, "Well, okay. I think you're right, but I don't want to believe you." And Well,
3: here's the thing, uh, if, if there's a perceived there's a perceived Confidence. There's a perceived level of safety in the home that you've known and loved for years. Okay, people don't want to leave it. They, this is where this is their safety zone. This is their castle that they come home to every night. And uh, you know, and I, I hear a lot of times, "Oh, I'm going to ride it out, you know, until it gets bad, and then I'm going to leave." I'm like, no, that's a terrible idea. If it's so bad that you have to leave your house, you sure as heck don't want to be traveling on the open road at that point. Yeah, it's too late. Night. Um, yeah, it's yeah, too, too late. late. If, if, you're, if you're pushing a grocery cart or driving a, a car laying down with supplies and you think you're going to make it from, you know, three miles down the road without getting, you know, ambushed, you're, you're crazy. So my, yes. my recommendation is, you know, day of events. There's still going to be a lot of people wandering around, not sure what's going on, confusion. I think that day one, you you know, I recommend having a lot of cash on hand at your house. If, if you can get the stores, that the man, you know, they may be closed. The manager may still be there. Uh, you may have time with cash to bribe a manager to get some get some last-minute things that you never got a chance to get or this or that, and then leave the following morning, early in the morning, the, the, the following day, once the streets have cleared and everything, get out of town. But if you sit there, you because this is your home, this is where you love, and you think you're safe here, if you wait until it gets – that bad, and it will get that bad and even worse, uh, it's too late. You're stuck. You're not, you're not traveling at that point.
4: Right. So also the same thing goes with, I believe, with your bug out location. If you get there and, you know, all of a sudden you're – I started this uh, about a month, two months ago, that all gun battles are bad. And so if you're yeah. getting a, if you if you get in a gun battle to defend your retreat, you're screwed. You don't ever do that. Let them have your retreat for a few days. You don't have maybe like you said five ten percent of your food there. Then you come back, and then you either snot you take your retreat back. I'll say that. Well, that's right. what I was trying yeah. to get at uh-huh.
2: earlier. Absolutely, okay. and that's what I'm saying. Absolutely. So it's been compromised,
4: okay, so. Yeah. But all gun battles are bad. Don't yeah. ever. Well, I know we train for it, but it should be defensive only because people get hurt and die in gun battles.
3: Yes. That, that's literally almost verbatim what I wrote in my book. So the, the, the preparedness genre, <laughs> mine included, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. Preparedness fiction is full of lots of gun battles and everybody, you know, and the main characters are always walkway on stage, okay? If you get in a gun battle with a group of looters at your retreat, there's somebody in your group that's almost assuredly getting shot. Well, yeah. you know, the book that's always, you know, the rednecks climbing out of the pickup truck. Well, guess what? Rednecks know how to shoot or run a run of deer with their 308. You know? Right. the fact yep. that, you, you know, it's not, and I'm not taking away from having the best weapons possible and, more importantly, the best professional tactical training that you can get. But it is always used in a defensive, uh, bounding retreat. And I I talk about this all the time. I I mention it in my books, different scenarios. If the bullets start flying, your first thing is to lay down heavy cover fire and get the heck out of there. And then, you know, if you have to take the fight to them, take it to them on your terms. Make them come to you. Don't go to them, right? Um, And so, again, like you just mentioned, a house and some stuff in it isn't worth dying for. Isn't it worth watching your teenage kid or your wife get shot? Because guess what? There's no Ford operating base. There's no military helicopter that's going to come and fly to the latest and greatest medical technology to fix your battlefield wounds. Chances are there's probably not an emergency room doctor at your retreat, and probably that person's going to get an infection and die. So yeah. the idea that you're going to be running around like John Rambo and just... And the worst ones are like the books where they fight, you know, they fight a, a, an invading military force or the U.S. government's coming to take their guns and they fight the military. I'm like, give me a break. If you go yeah. toe-to-toe with the U.S. military, maybe back in 1970 you could have with guerrilla tactics. But if you go toe-to-toe with the U.S. military, I don't care how crazy, you know, tactical your band of merry men is, you're going to get your you-know-what handed to you.
4: <laughs> yes. So, um, one of my friends uh well, I got several friends who are actually listening live i I didn't send it out to to a lot of people, but we were recording live one of my friends um part of the sisters, so we have these two sisters um she says that i have, must I have the biggest man crush right now. she didn't know who's more excited to talk about this me or you and so and I have another friend that wanted to ask you a question he read he's the one sure. that read your book he he read your book and he's the one that recommended me. To, I think to, I think he's the one that recommended me to read your book, and his question was this because this is what he's going to talk about at his um, his a meetup group I think this coming week. Let's say that you've lost everything, you have none mm-hmm. of your supplies, you have nothing. Um, you just it's you and your family, and everything's been taken. You might have a gun, a few supplies, and you walk up to a well armed retreat. What do you tell them? What is your... Uh, hate, gate speech is what he calls it, to get into the group. That's a good question. I've never really thought about that. Just you, Would you go over your skills?
3: <laughs> please? Yeah, that, I mean, that's all you've got. You better have yes. some serious skills uh, on the gardening front, on the first aid front. You better have guns and ammunition. You better know how to tr- use them. I... Uh, if it's one of my preparedness retreats that I designed and that I work with the clients, guess what? You're never making it to that gate. And if you do make it to the gate, there's sure as heck ain't going to be somebody walking up that gate to chat with you about it. Okay. Right. So, yeah. um, so uh, I, that, that's a tough scenario because I, I, it's a good question. Don't get me wrong. It's a good question. The The easy answer is if that happens to you, you're you're pretty much screwed, okay? I don't want to – I think a lot of people will soft-pedal stuff, but, I mean, have to, if you lose all your supplies and, and you're, you're just traveling with your wife and kids, man, you've got some hard decisions laid ahead of you to what you're going to do and where you're going to go, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if you could – the, the, the first thing is, if, if you found a survival retreat – it's probably not that good of a survival retreat because you found it, first of all. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's if you true. Did find it, <laughs> but if you did walk up to the gate, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what it, you, you better be a, a dang good salesman. You better be able to pitch yourself and your family. And you better have a whole bunch of bullet points you memorize in your head and try and get them off as fast as possible. Uh, and then at that point, it's just going to be a matter of whether or not they have the food to take you in. And here's the thing I've got hundreds of clients all over the U.S., I was in five states last Last month, I'm going to be in six states this month. I just got back from a back-to-back trip. I can tell you the, well, the single biggest issue I, I see when I fly out to do a, an on-site survival retreat analysis is someone spent a half million or a million dollars in a bad location, right? They just happen to have this property. It was their family property, and they put a bunker on it uh, in the backwoods, but the house is visible from, you know, it's 50 yards off the road, Okay. So that's that's the first thing I see that's fairly commonplace. The second thing I see that's very commonplace, which I kind of hinted at earlier, is the fact that probably 90% of people that consider themselves preppers don't have near the amount of food that they think they have. Okay, I hear this all the time. I'm on my first initial consulting call with a new client. He's like, Oh, yeah, I've got a year's worth of freeze dry food. I said, Okay, tell me about that. He's like, Oh, yeah, I bought. Uh, my, pay, you know, uh, one year food supply for me and my wife and my two kids for my paper supply supplier, Wise or my, uh, whatever the case may be. And here's the deal. That's that's four months worth of food, because it's right. one of the dirty little secrets in our industry, the the, the preparedness industry. I have never met a... uh, I won't go that far. I've, I've hardly ever met a person I didn't like. Okay, uh, every single one of my clients, you know, salt of the earth, sit down. Uh, you know, at a restaurant have a normal conversation with I've never met any of the coops they have on Doomsday Preppers, right? And, like, everybody is, is, is normal. The, the industry is great, but the long-term food industry is about as crooked as crooked can get, okay? They sell their food based on serving sizes, and on average, those big one-year food plants you buy, on average, they come with about 800 calories worth of food. That's a starvation diet. If you eat 800 calories a day for the average man... And for a year, you're going to look like a Holocaust survivor if you make it that long. And you're going to eat your food way faster than you think. The only way to buy long-term food is to go to a basal metabolic calculator, find out exactly how many calories each member of your family needs based on height, weight, sex, age, all those things. And then buy your food based on calories. If you do that, you're going to realize really quickly that these one-year food plans, they're almost criminal in the amount of calories they sell you in a one-year plan. Right.
4: Right. Okay, yes. Yes. So, you know, I'm a. I, I, I think I told you I, this. I, uh, I, I, I hope. I, I hate to
3: interrupt, but I hope I didn't just buy any of your sponsors.
4: <laughs> no, 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 no. I told you I'm a, okay. reseller
3: for,
4: I'm a reseller for Legacy, and and I still tell people to do the math. It's all about math. How many mm-hmm. calories? How many calories? Not how many pounds it is, not how many servings, how many calories, and then you. How many calories do you need a day? Well, you need more than 2,000. You need at least 2,500, maybe 3,000 calories a day. And you do the math. Right. It's all math. And they're going to lie to you. It is. Every, I mean, yeah. I
3: sell a spreadsheet. I have a long-term food spreadsheet on my website that I sell. Um, and I've got a, a year's – I spent weeks and weeks putting this together. And, uh, you know, if, if you buy uh, – The the average family of four, I forget the ages and the weights and all that stuff, but it came out to be 2.2 million calories for the year. If you buy Mountain House by the case of number 10 can at the cheapest places I could find each case, some was at Costco, some was at Walmart, some was here, some was there, it came out to be $24,000 for a year's worth of food for Mountain House to get a year's worth of food. Uh, If you buy it via staples, like six-gallon buckets of uh, rice, beans, oatmeal, pasta, and all the things that go along with that, uh, from a company like Rainy Day or Agates and Farms, if, if you buy it in bulk, uh, I've got a family of four, 2.2 million calories, with lots of different types of meals, uh, down to under $4,000, less than a thousand bucks a person. So it's just a matter, of, like you said, it's about the math. And every one of my clients, when they, ha- when that's one of the first homework assignments I do, they're like, "Well, I got some food here, and I got some cases of this, I got some MREs." I have some canned food in my basement. I said, okay, here's the spreadsheet. Put all your food on there. It's going to take you some time. But then you know to the day how much food you have for your family, right? Um, right. And it's, it's a time-consuming thing to do, uh, but it's it, it, it's, a, it's almost always an eye-opening experience for my clients. And, I mean, I've got clients that have $150,000 worth of guns and ammunition and tactical supplies, maybe not $4,000 worth of food. I'm like, dude. Come on, you know, you right. can't eat uh-huh. 308 ammunition. So, yeah.
4: Yes, okay. Um, so people need more more food. They don't need to be in gunfights. They need to have multiple bug-out retreats. Things are going to get worse than they expect. Um, what other advice do you have for us? Well,
3: I, I, I wouldn't say multiple plug-out so retreats, I mean, I think you, you have a primary retreat. Uh, most people can't afford to try and outfit multiple locations because, I mean, there's things like water. Uh, and, you know, if it's not a bed and breakfast, if it's not a, you know, a, a cabin rental or, like you said, a vacation home that's not being used, and, again, you better make sure it's in a good location, not visible from the road, long driveway, things like that, good good lines for off sex, for wash locations, so on and so forth. And maybe you go to your cousin Charlie's farm, or that's your plan. Maybe he's a left-leaning liberal farmer, and he thinks you're crazy person at the the family get-togethers for talking about prepping. So don't talk to him about it. Just plan to show up there with food when the time comes, and he's gonna think you were a genius. So um, having a single location that you wrap your brain around, um, and then obviously you gotta have a fallback location, a, a shack in the woods, or a location everybody else knows to fall back to if that place was overtaken. And like uh, Thunderfoot mentioned, yeah, that's right. You get out of there, leave it, let them come in and take what they can, and chances are they're not going to stay there. Because if it's a professional looting force that's going, uh, you know, cabin to cabin and farm to farm, you know, once they clean out the inner city, they'll be traveling to countryside. And some of these looting forces, uh, they're going to they're be – if they get out to where you're at in the country – They've been looting for a while, and they're really good at taking down a location. They're going to study you for a while. They're they're not just going to like charge charge the the, the beaches of Normandy and you know take on your gunfire. They're going to be smart about it and, and come at you right. And so you have to right. get away from that. because the chances are, as soon as they go through your place, they're going to move on down the road, and they're not coming back. They just they think they cleaned you out, right? So um, yeah, I, I think you, I think you're in a lot better situation if you. Run from the bullets and then live to fight another day. I tell, I tell people also, live to fight another day is what it comes down right. to. Because if if you get shot in the melee, you know you don't have options at that point. So,
4: so so if I remember right, you are writing a sequel to this book currently. Is that true?
3: It is true. It is true. I am writing two books at the same time because apparently one book wasn't tough enough for me. But uh, I'm writing a Survival Theory. I'm writing Survival Theory Two, uh, which is uh, it's going to be in a Q and A format. So over the years, I've gotten tons and tons of emails from people all over the country and some all over the world asking me questions about solar panel systems or this or that or what do I think about this or that. And I was like, you know what? Obviously, I'm removing any nomenclature, names, or cities they live in. And uh, I'm going to compile a lot of my answers to a lot of these questions that people ask me. It's gonna be, so it's going to be kind of a and a format. It's going to include a couple articles I've written on the subject with a little more in-depth uh, um, writing on it. So that's going to be survival theory, too. I'm going to cover a couple new subjects. Um, one is going to be on potato seed, true potato seed, uh, TPS. It's kind of an interesting new thing that's, that's coming out. I'm going to dig into the... The cyber threat a little bit more Because I think that's a growing threat with quantum computing Uh, That's in our near future Uh, So that's going to be Survival Theory 2 And then all the fans that are listening That that read my EMP series I am writing the next book in the EMP series So Awesome I I hate putting deadlines out there I'm hoping to have both out before Christmas But I'm I'm definitely going to have one out Before Christmas
4: Okay And um and so, you, Tenderfoot, I know you got a profound question well, that's going to intrigue us all. <laughs> I, I now have a Christmas gift for you. Oh, do Oh. Yes. <laughs> it's so, going to be thanks,
2: book. Sorry. Thanks, man. I spoiled now, it. Man. Now,
4: you've written some other books, and they are EMP-based. Tell us about them, if you don't mind. Yeah,
3: sure. So uh, the first book I wrote was called EMP, Equipping Modern Patriots, A Story of Survival, and I wrote that oh, I don't know, 2013, maybe. And, uh, I, I, you know, I never took the English composition class away. <laughs> I, I was a military grunt. I worked construction. I'm a carpenter. I owned my own business. I slept houses for a while. Uh, so it's kind of a – it's just I started reading all this EMP fiction, and they, uh, I, they just didn't understand the human psychology behind it. And so I wrote EMP quickly on a page thinking, you know, maybe this will sell 20 copies to my military buddies. And it, was, it started selling like 20 or 25 copies a day. I'm like, oh, that's you know, that's pretty cool. And So I, a couple of weeks later, I leave for hunting camp, and I and I didn't check my sales. I come back a week and a half later, and I was selling like 150 a day. Then it went to 200 a day, and then 250, it just kept going up and up. I ended up becoming the, the number three book on the post-apocalyptic genre for about four months. So it was really successful, and uh, that kind of – then I had to rush out and get an editor. <laughs> Right. uh, Because, uh, you know, I I had a a friend who said they were an editor, but apparently they weren't, but I didn't know the difference. (laughs) Right, yeah. So uh, so I had to go out and hire a professional editor and get it edited. And then I I wrote the follow-up book, The Aftermath. And then just last November, I released the third book in the series, which is called New Beginnings. And a couple things on it is being ex-military myself, I really hated how, uh, a lot of authors really push the, the government – well, the government is evil, but like the military is evil, right? They're coming for your guns. This military cop is going to show up in your town and tell you you got to turn in all your guns. I just, right. I, I, think, I just don't buy that at all. So I wanted to uh, paint the picture, especially in the second book. I, I started explaining like more of what's going on to the rest of the country and painted a picture of how I saw the collapse happening – and how the military would respond, how the government would respond, and so the second book picks up a the perspective of a of a, of a commander of a battalion in the Test Mountain Division, and basically, so I wrote it from a the military perspective as like a secondary character in the second book, and uh, I just wanted to kind of paint my idea of how the military would respond, because you know I just don't buy the narrative that. Government's going to tell the, the military guys to go in and blow up this town, and you know, some 21 year old red blooded American is going to be like, Yes, sir. You know, I'll, you know, I'll follow you. Right into, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think they'd go AWOL or you know, defy orders before they would do something like that. But, uh, so, anyways, there's plenty of gunfights in my books. don't get me wrong, uh, probably plenty of unrealistic gunfights in my book, <laughs> so, um. But anyways, uh, so like I said, last November I I released the uh, New Beginnings, which is the third book in the series, and I'm working on uh, the next book, which is going to be called Dark Skies.
4: Right. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I do have another question uh, about the the forward in your um, survival theory book um, is a biblical perspective. On preparedness, can you can you um, if you don't mind, can you elaborate on that? Not at
3: all. Sure, not at all. Um, technically, that would that's that's the bonus chapter. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, coming at the end of the book. So it's funny because I get a lot of I shouldn't say a lot. I've had a few bad reviews of my book on Amazon from atheists that talk about you know the Bible pumping and survival theory. So just for all your audiences. Uh, that are people that are listening I, I don't think I mentioned a single time God or anything in my book at all uh, But I have so many people knowing that you know I'm a Christian and how I wrote my books in the EMP series and how my characters uh, lived through that scenario and, and I, I didn't hide my faith or their reliance on God they asked me my you know when I write a perspective on preparedness right so I include that as a bonus chapter so if you're an atheist, or you don't believe in God Man more power to you That's fine Just skip the last chapter Right So anyways The, the last chapter I wrote a physical perspective on the prepared, so There's kind of a few camps here Right So you have the camp of um, Well I'm You know I, I realize that something bad Is coming in our future But I'm just going to Wholeheartedly Trust God To take care of me And my family And rely on faith Okay And I would Never ever come down on anybody for holding that view, okay? Because the faith size of a mustard seed can move some mountains, right? So if that's your stance, man, more power to you. But I also believe, uh, you know, there's lots of instances from Noah and, and the ark and Joseph and, you know, storing up grain for Egypt. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of different uh, biblical instances where God told somebody that, hey, something bad is happening. And you need to prepare ahead of time for it, right? So I think if you know that something bad is coming, and there's a chance something bad could happen where you wouldn't be able to feed your family, I think as a as a father, as a mother, I think it's your duty to to put away some food so you can feed your kids, right? I I, I think that's a biblical concept. And like I said, I would never um, criticize anybody for holding the opposite view of me, but I just laid out and. You know, some. I actually kind of laid out both sides of the argument, right? And then right. at the end of the day, I said, you know what? At the end of the day, uh, you're gonna you're gonna have to do a. Good, you know, you gotta follow God's leading, and God's will for your life at the end of the day. So, and uh, I think another big thing I always recommend is that I, I don't live my life in fear, right? But I, I write about this stuff. I work with these people all day long. But I come home at five o'clock or six o'clock. I sit down and have dinner with my family every night, and I don't think about it until the next day. It doesn't make me worry. I'm not fully prepared. You're never going to be fully prepared, right? You can't be fully prepared for a situation like this. So you can't let it eat at you. You can't cash in your kid's college fund and go out and spend. You know, you still got to live life, right? And you still got to be good stewards of, of God's money. So just do what you can as you can do it. I think a big thing is to wrap your brain around. I mentioned earlier in the call, what is the worst case scenario? understand that threat and then make a plan of action on the budget that you have, Uh, you know, basically what would I do? Because I think a lot of people like, like it's real common in the preparedness industry, you know, out here, okay, well, we're, you know, you're new to this, here's the deal. We're going to start you out with prepping for a hurricane or a tornado. And then we're going to bump you up to this level. And then we're going to bump you up to this level. Most of those people are never going to get to the top tier of grid down, preparing for grid down scenario before the event happens. And when that right. happens, they're, they're not going to be prepared. They're not going to be mentally prepared. They're not going to make. They're not going to have the proper decision-making ability. My philosophy is is like, okay, this is this terrible situation. This is my plan of attack is going to be to prepare for this situation. I can't afford to, but I'm going to slowly work my way towards this goal. And if, if you do that, all those other things, the, the hurricanes and the you know am um, um, middle of the road financial from that stuff will be a cakewalk if your brain's wrapped around something serious
4: right okay um let me um one th- the reason I ask about that that chapter the bonus chapter is because i mean people pretty much know tenderfoot and we're, i we're both christians we 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 let that be known, and we've um we talked about that quite often. And I I remember when I was, and I know, you know, Scott Hunt, one time I was talking to Scott and I said, you know, Scott, if you're preparing just to survive in, you know, hard times, really what are you preparing for? Um, You know, it's a difference when you're preparing for something that is bigger than yourself. But anyway, but I I set you up there because I know that, you know, you know, we, we don't push our agenda of being a Christian, but we, we just think it's very important. The other question, um, so I, uh, you know, I asked people, I told people in CPN to read your book, and I remember now one of the comments, one of the comments, one of the guys said, he said, I agree with everything he said, except he thinks ducks are better than chickens. And he wanted <laughs> to know, he won't, and I think ducks are too loud, personally. I think that's why I wouldn't go with ducks. But I think go rabbits ahead. are even better than chickens as well. But so you want to,
3: because you do
4: in there, sure. you say chickens. Yeah, go ahead.
3: Well, hey, if you're a duck man, more power to you. Um, I don't know ducks, okay? I, I've never personally raised ducks.
4: I don't know ducks.
3: I, 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 that's exactly, that's, you, you got it. I, 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 I don't they They are generally louder, I think generally they need like a water source if i if i could be wrong yes. so don't, I'm not an expert on ducks okay, I think I've made that painfully clear um so, and, so I think there's certain prerequisites, not everybody in the country can have ducks at their location uh, and I do think chickens are 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 more you know what i am just gonna let that go if, if you want to have ducks instead of chickens, man, more power to you but that I, I have less like so kind of skin in the game on whether you have Dr. Chicken than whether you have rabbits. I, I have a whole chapter on rabbits in my book. I think rabbits are the number one prepper animal that you can have. They're quiet, they, they yes. require very little food and maintenance. You can use their, their 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 poo and their pee directly on your garden. Um they they breed like rabbits. Okay? The average female can have 64 babies a year on a breeding schedule. One female can produce enough protein for a single individual for that year. So, if you have a female rabbit for each member of your retreat group, you can have like 30 to 40% of your caloric needs for the entire year. And the other great thing about it is you know, when you compare it to like an animal like a cow, um, they, one, they take like one fifth of the amount of food feed food to feed as a cow. They're nowhere near as noisy. And the big thing is is if you have a big animal like a cow and you butcher it, now you've got what? Fifteen hundred pounds worth of meat that you gotta figure out what to do with and how to store right. it and how to yep. how to preserve it and get it till when you're gonna eat it. With rabbits, you're constantly breeding them on a schedule and you know every every day, every two days you're butchering a rabbit for the pot. So if they come to buy a food, you don't have to have a 1,000 canning jars to hold meat or build some big elaborate smokehouse, which is going to send a signal to your your hungry neighbors that you're smoking food. So uh, I just I really think that they are essentially like the ultimate prepper animal, above and beyond just about anything else. And uh, I lay out a couple of different yes. ways of really easy ways of feeding them. Um, anyway, yeah.
2: Don't you don't you have to have fat or something to Yeah, continue? you gotta have a
3: raccoon
4: or a possum in there. Yeah, yeah, okay. You do, but you know, I'm just sitting here and um, you know, people are chatting with me on on online and stuff. But it's like um, we're brothers from a different mother for sure, because I'm a big rabbit. Matter of fact, at our we're gonna have a CPN campout next in a month. And uh, one of the one of the tasks that I've been assigned because I I've been bragging and I shouldn't be bragging but I've been telling people I can take a live rabbit and have them on the grill in a minute and thirty seconds. So I guess yeah, they're going to
3: test. They're
4: going to test me that yeah. test me with that at camp. I'm going to have to show people how to butcher a rabbit. So that's going to be fun. I haven't done one in a yeah. while because I moved. I moved. And I gave my rabbits to someone else to take care of, and i would yet to bring them back to the house. So,
3: well, as a deer instructor, that's 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 how we taught students how to how to skin and butcher game, because yep. I mean it's it's the the anatomy is very similar to a deer or a, another large game animal. I mean, as a general, you know, right from the park, yep. and so we would use that as we would butcher a rabbit in front of the students to kind of show them the anatomy and how you would do it and all that. Uh, so I never did it quickly, but I I can do it really quickly. Now I don't know if I can do it a minute and a half. Yes, that's, that's a
4: Well, rock I I timed myself a while back, and I haven't done it though in in about a year. But I'm gonna I'm gonna have to practice a couple times before I go.
3: But um, <laughs> so but you, you, your you, local you, your local pet store to be running low on rabbits, I think practice. Yeah,
4: you, well, actually, I got a guy that supplies. He supplies Fort Bragg with about 500 rabbits a a month. It's a big – he's the guy that's trained me, so he's a big-time rabbit guy. But but Tenderfoot uh, brought up a good good point. Um, rabbits lack um, fat, and so yeah. that's where I always tell people you got to have some raccoons or possums because they're greasy and fat, And uh, but you do have to have fat because you can die from just eating um, protein. Yeah. Yeah, that, that,
3: that, yeah, that's absolutely true, but that's a big thing in uh, the S.A. I've actually had people email me that. The S.A.S.C.N. book says that you can starve to death eating rabbits. Yeah, right. you can starve to death eating just about anything, one thing, right, uh, yeah. meat-wise, right? I mean, if all you ate was duck, you'd have issues, too. But, yes, rabbits are very low in fat. Rabbits are part of a well-rounded diet, okay, to quote your mother. Right, you, yes. you can't just eat rabbits. Okay, if your sole survival plan is just eat rabbits, it's not going to go well for you. So you have to have other sources of of proteins and minerals and vitamins and so on and so forth. That's why that they complement a long-term food uh, storage situation, but they are not the be they are the be all end all when it comes to animals, in my opinion. But you know you can't live just on rabbits. Right. Technically, yes, there are stories of trappers back in. You know, Lewis Clark that literally starved to death on, and they were eating lots of rabbits every single day. But they start, you know, or the, they near starved to death on just eating rabbits. So that story is true, but that's true if you just ate squirrel if, if all you ate was squirrel, you'd eventually starve to death, even if you ate 20 pounds of squirrel a day.
2: Yep.
4: Yeah. Yep. And so uh, one thing I, I want to tell the listeners that um, I've been I've been kind of sneaking in there the new PrepperNet. Concept that we're rolling out in one month, and um, we have a we have an expert panel, and Jonathan has agreed to be one of my expert because I got to have a like mind guy on there, you know, (laughs) and so Jonathan's agreed and to be on the panel, and um, you know we're gonna you know we'll have you know his books, Um, we'll also have I know there's um, one of your most important chapters. We're going to offer it for free on our site that so you can actually listen to it, and um, it's a. I think is that chapter four in your book? What? Or... Uh,
3: electricity. Yeah. Yeah, I, darn... I, it, it's, I think it's chapter
4: five, but it's somewhere. In it's there. chapter five. Okay, but so
3: so I, I've got. I already the... read it. I haven't looked at. Yeah
4: but so we got big plans with with um jonathan in the future and because i like what he says and i think that his his message needs to get out um and i'm going to help him take his message out because i ditto his message (laughs) and so and so that's um um so that's exciting for me also um tell us about your consulting business and how you help people? How you can help people? How they can get in touch with you on that? And um, and your 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 best secret kept secret that you've never revealed to anyone, and your credit card information. <laughs> I'm not, not
3: going to do either one of those. <laughs> nice. So, uh, so tell... my website my website is called griddowconsulting.com, dot com, and uh, probably about twenty or thirty percent of my uh, probably about 40% of my business is phone consultation where I have clients and I, I talk to them and I talk them through a lot of different scenarios they ask me I, I do off-site uh, location analysis for existing survival retreats or somebody's kind of property I'll, I'll review the property and then most of the time they'll fly me down before they close and so that's probably about 40% of my business is phone consultation and then probably about the next Thirty percent of my business is on-site reviews, so I have clients that fly me out to their location, and I do. I, I spent three, you know, two days traveling and one day a full like twelve hours of going through all of their stuff. I do an operational security review, go through the long-term food, to, solar panel. I go through every aspect of their survival retreat and make recommendations to them. Uh, and I never get offended whether they take them or not, but um, that's. That's probably about 30% of my business, and I and I'm not a math major, so I forget what percentage I have left. I think it's 30. Uh, The other 30% 40% is new clients that are you know fairly wealthy individuals, and I'm starting from scratch, helping them find property, designing their survival retreat. I've got about 20 or 30 different off-grid survival retreat designs that they can pick from that we can customize, and then we head to the architect and. I really enjoy those clients starting from scratch because I'm not uh, I'm not coming into a situation where I may have to give somebody bad news or say hey you know that you've got the most wonderful two hundred thousand dollar bunker buried here but it's in a really bad spot you're probably going to get killed if you stay here I I hate having those conversations with people but that's what they pay me for right so that's good consulting um, and just. it's one of those things, I'm at the point now in, in my career, uh, I've, I've got my writing career, I've got gridDocs Consulting, uh, I'm in talks with the Discovery Channel, and I've just got so many things going in so many different directions. Uh, I, I just recently here, a couple weeks ago, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of taking a step back from the consulting business and just focusing on like maybe the top 30 or 40% of my, my clientele just because I'm only one guy. I just can't – I mean, I've got hundreds of clients, and some of them email me. Where I just can't keep up. So uh, I'm more than happy to answer – you know, if somebody wants to shoot me an email, tell me their situation, I'd be happy to, to, to see if – you know, I'll definitely have a one-hour consulting call with you. And on that first call, I can make a – you know, I can kind of pick through whatever your plan of action is, whatever you have going on, and make a bunch of recommendations that will probably help you out. But uh, as far as taking on, like, new clients starting from scratch – uh, I'm getting pretty tight, <laughs> time because I still have to release books. I put out a book like every year and a half. I don't know how angry Americans. Some of these guys put out a book every like six months because <laughs> I just can't do it. <laughs> I try, you know but uh,
4: yeah, um, okay. Markum Goodwin does Prepper Recon, and I asked yeah. him to be on our panel, and he goes, "Well, I'm trying to cut back even my own podcast because he wants to put he wants to put out more books, and so he's writing." I think he's going to produce like six books this year. And I'm like, holy cow, how is that possible? But anyway, that's a, it's a full-time job for yeah. him just to, what, just to write. One of, my
3: fa- one of my favorite authors is Brandon Sanderson. He's a science fiction writer. You know, When I'm not working, uh, I listen to a lot of Audible books, but I don't listen to anything genre-related. I want to check out, right, and the BR, you know. But I, he writes like 700-page, 1,000-page books. He puts like three of them out a year. And I have no, I just can't even fathom writing that many words in a year. So, but that said, I am. The, that was kind of the point I was getting to. I'm really buckling down. Um, I hope to have two books out by November, and then my plan is to start releasing a book every six to eight months in the the EMP series that I'm writing. Because, you know, I I, I apologize to fans out there. I mean, people always I get bombarded almost daily on Facebook and. And email and Instagram and everything, and everybody's asking after when the next book so is I promise, I'm buckling down. I've got a new system in place. Uh, I'm writing it. I'm starting writing my day writing at 6 a.m. in the morning. That's been a huge thing for me. Where before I would write in the middle of the afternoon, and you know I might get on emails, and then I never get to writing. So this new this new thing of mine, I'm starting. I'm getting up earlier, and I'm just starting my writing first thing in the day when my brain's fresh, and it's been a huge been a huge, you know, benefit. I'm putting a lot of words on paper, so this will be coming out more often.
4: Awesome. That is awesome. Well, Jonathan, we extended the time in the middle of this. I figured out how to extend the time of our podcast being recorded, and I know you everybody goes, well, duh. It's actually pretty complicated when you're using a third-party software website, and um, so, um, but we thank you for coming on his, um, your sure. website, like you said, is griddownconsulting.com dot com. Um, I'm looking forward to you, you know, being on the expert panel. I and mean, cause the first thing you asked me, well, how much time is it going to take? And I'm like, Oh, not a lot. So we, I think we've worked everything out and I look forward yeah. to working with you in the future. And we're going to definitely have you on only, you, you know, get this second book coming out. Um, and I and I told you and I'm you know I'm a fan um, that I've been recommending your book to everyone in CPN and um, it's going to be required reading in PrepperNet just because it's so different than what these authors are uh, making up in their books because it, 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 every every book makes it sound like wow that's not so bad and they talk they have scenes yeah. that are bad but. You uh, right. kind of, I think the way you paint it is um, is pretty good. I can't wait to read your EMP series. I've got them. I purchased them. I just gotta make time for them. Um, so, but hey, um, thanks a lot for being on our show, and I look forward Absolutely. to talking to you soon. And everybody, that's it. Grid Down Consulting. Uh, this is Jonathan Hollerman. One of my favorite books that has been produced here recently is Survival Theory a preparedness guide and it says how to uh, survive the end of the world on a budget. I like that. Hey, thanks a lot, Johnson. You you take care.
3: All right, gentlemen, take
4: care. Uh, Okay. Did, how did that go? Did I just, I mean, he's
2: saying, I mean, I'm just just so glad that
4: someone else is saying the things that I've been saying.
2: Oh yeah, it was it was great. It was like listening to this you. This needs to get out. I mean, because we read.
4: I love. I mean, I like Chris Weatherman, Angry American. I like Franklin Horton. I mean, I like you know Stephen. I like all these guys, um,
2: and they're great stories. And you can still learn a lot by reading the books. Yeah. Well, this is a straightforward guide. I mean, sh- sh- I mean the others you you get stuff from. It's good scenarios, whatnot. This right. Is I mean, I'm thinking, like, this falls with, like, a survival book.
4: Yes. Yeah. And it's, I guess this is, I mean, he does have things to buy and stuff like that. But this is yeah. a mindset book. So in my book that I'm writing, you know, I'm, I've divided that in four areas. One is things you need to buy, things you need to train, you know, skills you've got to learn, a mindset. Because you've got to be in the right mindset to be able to survive this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and then also the Christian perspective as well. So I'm kind of breaking it down in four. This in this is a recommended reading pretty early on, and I put it in my book uh, for mindset because it helps you understand. And I got other books. I got you know, definitely my friend. I mean, uh, Mark Goodwin and a lot of his books, and you know, there you, you read them. There's good information there. You can you can get a lot, but this was a mindset book. It wasn't more of a, a book to to learn from, because I do I do separate like the differences okay. in, in my book, which is I, I you know, it's taken me a year and I'm still like three quarters you know three fourths of the way done, but so I don't know how these people write. I'm not a writer. I'm just very. Good looking and smart. <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe that's not true either. <laughs> no, that's not true either. But um, so anyway, um, wow, well, we didn't even mention our sponsor, Retreat Realty. John, uh, John is uh, uh, from Retreat Realty.
2: And speaking, you know, here we are. We just had that conversation about the bug out locations. So yeah, been... well, he
4: does more. He doesn't consult with the retreat. No, he's just a realtor. Yeah. And the Appalachian kind of readout, he's your man. Um he's sponsored um the Carolina Prepper Network. He's going jumping over with us to Prepper Net. But if you're if you're looking for a place in the mountains of the Appalachians, mostly North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia and Tennessee, he understands your privacy. And he understands what you're looking for, the water sources, security. He uh, he's got a good handle on that. He's not your consultant when it comes to, but he can help you find the right land that you're looking for, and that's at retreatrealty.com. Don't call him because he's not at home right now. <laughs> I think he's driving tonight. He's on his way home. Anyway, yeah, we we talked earlier, but um, so he um, so give him a call tomorrow. Check out his website, retreatrealty.com. Nothing that we didn't talk about. Ah. Oh. Is this conflicted card game?
2: I was really hoping
4: you would ask him. You know, we did talk about that, and I forget. there was just too many other better I questions know. to ask. And It would have won. Yeah. But the conflicted, so the conflicted card game, PrepperNet, which is the new release of we're going nationwide with with the Carolina Prepper Network. Um, we're commissioned. That's a good term to use, to create a deck of cards. And so I'm kind of doing an all-star deck. And I I don't even know if I brought this up with Jonathan, but I'm getting people in the industry to give me a scenario, retreat slash group related. So all mine's going to be group slash my groups, survival groups. And so I'm getting experts in the field, superstars like Jonathan, and they're going to submit a question. So on the card it's going to have their question with their name and their website. And it's kind of, you know, I'm giving them credit for coming up with a question. So, uh, you know, I've asked people like, uh, who have, people I've got in the industry, so far, who have I got? Um, I've I got Jane, um, Survivor Jane. I've got Rick Austin. I've got Scott Hunt. I've got, um, who else have I got? i got Ryan Mitchell from Tiny Life. I've got um, Mark Goodwin. I've got uh, a bunch of authors on there. Even the narrator narrator uh what's his name? Um, Kevin Pierce that Yes um, He's he, he reads all you know a lot of the,
2: the books. He's going to, he's provided one. And that card that card is gonna be an audio card. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, gonna yeah. have like like you know when you open up the Hallmark card? It's <laughs> That's gonna, a good <laughs> idea
4: because what I could do is I could put a <laughs> YouTube link and it could be his video reading his question. Dude, I like that idea. Because they told me I could do that. They they started putting the links in there. So Southern Prepper 1 did a deck, and Ready Man did a deck. And so Prepper Neck is coming out. We're going to be deck number 11. There you go. And so they're push pushing out their board game. So it's given me time with everything I got going on um, to get it all ready. I've got 35 questions. Then I gave some away to people on Prepper Neck. If they came up with a good question, I'm I'm adding it, and they get their own question. So, and then some of my city leaders, and you got one, yes. And yours was the no, (laughs) exactly, exactly. It's about chickens. No, but is it? But you did submit one. I I forgot what it was, but you did submit a a question. It's in my database. Um, So maybe. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so you wanted me
4: to ask, no, you said it. You said it. Yeah, I know under another name. So you wanted me to ask him a scenario. Well, I did. I did, I did. I did kind of the gate speech, kinda. Of. Yeah, not, that actually right. is going to be one of our cards.
2: Okay. Oh, that one is.
4: Yes, I like that. Yeah, that's coming from our I think our Asheville leader Eric. Yeah. Um. Uh, he
2: he he said he's coined that term gate speech. Yeah. Mine is all about if you've got somebody in your group that has BO, what do you do?
4: (laughs) Are you serious? That's what you submitted? (laughs) I didn't even read it. I promise. Did you really? No. Oh, okay. There's some funny ones. There's some weird ones that I I didn't really. That would be a good one. I didn't pay attention. Well, everyone's going to have BO at that time. What are you talking about? They will. I
2: don't know. Man, I'm if gonna, someone smells I've good got, at that time, you'd be going, "Hey, how you doing?" <laughs> got, I've got a stockpile of deodorant. Of deodorant. Yeah, you would. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. But um, goodness, so PrepperNet's coming in a month. Um, you know, so we we've, we've interviewed a lot of people, and we were going to take a break from that, but I just had to have Jonathan. Well, that's a great. You had to have him. I had to. And so um but we've interviewed um all the authors and and yes I'm getting messages as we speak.
2: And <laughs> oh. I mean and right now your head
4: is huge. Ooh, come your on. ego. <laughs> it's. it I've been validated. I mean I've been preaching this for 5 years and and, it was, and you it was. don't get what I, I what I've been preaching is not in a lot of the books.
2: And how long how long have I known you now? Is it, it's not been five years. It's been way too long. But probably probably close to four years. Four years. Four okay, years. yes. So, and I, I would have to agree. Especially I've, the accident Yeah. <laughs> that you had. Well, it was funny how we got to know each other anyway, because this is what our conversation was about. It started with rabbits and chickens.
4: Okay, yes.
2: And, matter of fact, we still talk about that. Yes. Kind of well,
4: Travis and I, if you don't yeah we go to church together yeah and so anyway that's a <laughs> teaser right there it's so funny oh he, my he lets it slip sometimes it's, every all day right.
2: every now, it, it, it's all right
4: it's just a fun game we play it is yes people will <laughs> hunt, hunt you down now they will so um only if they knew. So what's coming up? Okay, so some of the things with Prepping Academy. We've been preaching this for a while. We've been telling people about it. But my barn is not finished yet. No. I not. need help. Where's she shed. My, yeah. <laughs> it's my dog house. I need help hanging two doors. So I got two doors. And I keep offering. And, but you got to have the right tools. So I have this shed. It's a big shed.
2: Yeah.
4: And it's going to become our studio. Yeah. I'm going to put an air conditioner in there, television, refrigerator. A bed for ex- me. Escape hatch. You know, my, it's going to be my ham shack as well because, you know, I do ham. Yeah. And so I'm going to put my HF ham and all that stuff in there to get it out of the house. And so, but I, it's all, the roof is on. I just got to put two double doors in the front. And so I've got to frame them.
2: I feel like we should contact our friend, because I think we can make this a tiny home. Who were you, friend? Uh, for for the tiny home. Oh, the tiny house guy? Yeah. Ryan
4: yeah. Mitchell? I'm having lunch with him later this week. I didn't know if I could. He so didn't I know how to, to do, do thing that thing. stuff. He outsourced everything. I know. He makes so much money. No. But, um, but Ryan, yeah, I'm having lunch with Ryan this, later this week, but um, he does the tiny life, by the way. He's one of our expert panel members. Right, yeah. He's written... A bunch of books. Very successful. Um, but I need a carpenter. Because my doors they need to be drilled for the hinges and it's it's hard to put a door up two yeah. doors together. Right. So Can you get your,
2: your paint already picked out? Pink? Yeah. Dude. <laughs> plaid. When I can it's plaid <laughs> plaid paint. I it's, love it. It's flannel. <laughs> So when I can, I do because you get me all the time. Mm -hmm. So come on. Yep. So anyway, we're going to be
4: broadcasting this live. We're going to do video. We're going to do everything that is up to date. We're going to go from 1998
2: to 2018 instantly.
4: They had podcasts in 98, didn't
2: they? Why why 98?
4: I don't know. It was a good year. I... Um... I started my first company in 98. Yeah, I went to the military. I, oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The 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 navy.
2: You really <laughs> call that
4: the you? You still call that the military? The navy.
2: <laughs> okay, hey man, we get we got the, be part of space force. That's what I'm space talking Space force.
4: <laughs> uh, our producer saying 90 seconds left. So, um, hey. Check out our website, preppingacademy.com, preppingacademy.com. Sign up for our mailing list so we can never email you.
2: (laughs) It's been
4: like two months since I've sent an email out. So you won't get spammed here. No. So um, check out preppingacademy.com. Great things ahead. Anything else? That's it? I think that's it, man.
2: That's it. Hey, join us on Facebook.
4: Hey, 60 seconds. She's yelling at me. Yep. Um, so, and we're going to, uh, anyway, give us a, like us, five stars only. If you get four, you know, we'll have, we'll send people right. out
2: to you. We're looking for you. And then
4: say very positive things, like go to someone else's podcast you like, read some of their comments, and then put them on ours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 okay so again com. I mean. we thank Jonathan for joining us tonight and you guys have a great week we'll see you again next week which we don't even know what's going to happen next week but we'll be here right unless we're at our bug out location oh yes okay later later
0: Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com.